this is Shannon Lynn, and you're listening to the Dialed In Podcast. Today, I have a very special guest, Dr. Terry Walls. Dr. Terry Walls is an Institute for Functional Medicine certified practitioner and a clinical professor of medicine at the University of Iowa, where she conducts clinical trials. In addition, she has secondary appointments in the departments of neurology and epidemiology. In 2018, she was awarded the Institute for Functional Medicine's Linus Pauling Award for her contributions in research, clinical care, and patient advocacy. She is also a patient with secondary progressive multiple sclerosis, which confined her to a tilt-recline wheelchair for four years. Dr. Walls restored her health using a diet and lifestyle program she designed specifically for her brain and now pedals her bike to work each day. She is the author of The Walls Protocol, How I Beat Progressive MS Using Paleo Principles and Functional Medicine. The Walls Protocol, a radical new way to treat chronic autoimmune conditions using paleo principles. And the cookbook, The Walls Protocol, Cooking for Life, the revolutionary modern paleo plan to treat all chronic autoimmune conditions. She conducts clinical trials that test the effect of nutrition and lifestyle interventions to treat MS and other progressive health problems. Her company, Dr. Terry Walls LLC, has an online course, the Autoimmune Mastery Course, that teaches the public how to restore their health and vitality using the concepts she uses in her clinical trials and private practice. Dr. Walls also has a certification program for physicians, nutrition professionals, movement professionals, and health coaches, teaching them how to use these concepts in their clinical practices. I am very honored to have Dr. Walls with us today. So without any further ado, let's go speak with Dr. Terry Walls. We are here today on the Dialed In podcast, and we have a very special guest joining us today, Dr. Walls. And Dr. Walls has an extensive, extensive bio, uh, which you've just heard, and we're super excited to have her join us. So Dr. Walls, thank you so much for being here with us today. You have an amazing story. And I would love to start out our time together today, just hearing about your journey. You went from being in a wheelchair for four years to riding your bike over 18 miles with your family one year after starting your protocol. So if you could just tell us a little bit about your healing story and your journey. So uh, let's go back. Uh, 40 years uh, during medical school. I begin with uh, twinges of pain at my temple. Uh, they're steadily more frequent and more severe. Then 20 years later, I develop weakness in my left leg out walking with my wife, Jackie, uh, dragging it a hobble home. I, I see the neurologist. Uh, he says, Terry, this could be bad or really, really bad. I go through tests uh, for the next two weeks. I hear it's multiple sclerosis. Now, being a physician, I see the best people. I see uh, uh, things not go well, even though I'm taking the best drugs from the best people. Within three years, I'm in a tilt recline wheel. My face pain more frequent uh, and more severe. My uh, face pain turns on. I grunt, I grimace, tears 
stream down my face. My 10-year-old daughter hugs me, triggering more pain. It takes all my strength to not flinch and pull away from her. But I'm a physician, so uh, night after night, I go to PubMed and I start reading the basic science. And I begin experimenting on myself. And the speed of my decline slows. Then I discover a study using electrical stimulation of muscles. I asked my physical therapist if I can try that. And he says, yes, he could grow stronger muscles, but he doesn't know if my brain could talk to those muscles. Um, Convince him to let me have a test session. He's right, it hurts bad. But when it's over, I feel great. And he says, it's because of the endorphins. And after that, I begin doing E-STEM to as much pain as I can tolerate. And then I wonder, you know, is there more that I could do to slow my decline? All of my physicians have said with when you develop secondary progressive MS that there's no recovery, that you can expect to get worse 10 to 20% every year. I begin meditating. I redesigned my paleo diet based on all the science that I've been reading and all the ancestral health and functional medicine principles that I've learned and the basic science that I've studied. One month later, my pain is gone. I'm less fatigued. Three months later, I can sit up at my desk. Six months later, I am walking in the hallways, stunning my physicians, my colleagues, my partners, my family, even me. And nine months later, after an emergency family meeting, because I convinced my family that I, I want to try biking, my wife says, okay, Zach, you jog alongside on the left. Zeb, you jog on the right. I'll follow. I get on my bike. It wobbles, but I catch my balance. And I am biking. And my son is crying. My wife is crying. My daughter is crying. And so am I. And this changes how I think about disease and health. It will change the way I practice medicine. And it will ultimately change the focus of my research. Uh, 10 years later, I received the Linus Pauling Award for my groundbreaking clinical research and patient care protocols. I'm Terry Walls, and I'm committed to changing the standard of care, restoring hope to people with autoimmune and complex chronic uh, health problems. Wow, Dr. Wells, thank you so much for sharing that with us. And hope is a very important word here because, um, you know, when you normally go in, you have these symptoms, you get diagnosed, they say, okay, you have MS, you have rheumatoid, you have lupus, you have these autoimmune conditions. The only option is medication. There's no other option. Diet's not going to do anything. Um, and these are just experiences, obviously, that I've had and, and friends of mine and, and students and clients and whatnot. But um, what was it in you that said, you know what, I'm not going to accept that. I'm going to try. Well, you know, there, there's got to be an answer. There's got to so, be. So 
I have to admit, Shannon, I was pretty slow in the uptake. So my symptoms began in medical school. I, uh, you know, do denial like like many folks. I get um, I clearly have a progressive neurologic problem. I've seen physicians, pain centers. I take the best drugs. Continues to progress. I um, I start developing autoantibodies. And by the way, I'm worked up for lupus. I have endometriosis, infertility, and um, no one talked to me about diet or lifestyle. I developed MS, and you know I'm a, a professor of medicine, so you know I I do the best drugs from the best people, but I was getting relentlessly worse, and I had two young kids, and you know I, I think a lot about Viktor Frankl's book um, Man's Search for Meaning. And that between every event in our life and our response to it, there's a space. And in that space, we make a choice. And so, you know, I've got these young kids. I wanted to do everything that I could. And I also wanted to show them that, you know, yep, life's not fair, but you do everything that you can. And that meant that, you know, I, I could still read. And so I went back to reading the basic science. And then I would begin experimenting on myself. But I'd had 27 years of misery and progression of my disease doing the conventional approach before I finally woke up and said, you know, it's not working. Is there more that I could do? And of course, now I, um, I, I smile at myself like, you know, it, had I been a little smarter, I could have learned quite a bit earlier, uh, saved myself a lot of suffering and grief, but I wasn't ready yet. You've done many amazing things for the advancement of the treatment of MS and autoimmune diseases, which we're going to talk about as well today. And you are a visionary in the field. How were your ideas and findings received by your peers? <laughs> in the oh, yeah. Well, you know, people were thrilled when I'm walking for the first time, you know, in years. Um, but, at, you know, in, in clinic, I start talking more and more to my vets about what they're eating, what they're doing. And, you know, I'm teaching my residents using talking about biochemistry and physiology. And they think I'm going to talk to them about the latest drug. And I'm talking about broccoli and turmeric and rosemary. Uh, and I am, because I'm speaking from experience about how to improve diet quality and why it matters, the residents see that I'm, I'm surprisingly effective at getting our patients to make big changes in their diet. Mm -hmm. And that when they do, Blood pressure is improved, blood sugar is improved, pain reduces, and we're having to reduce their meds. But some of my colleagues were like, you're not practicing standard of care. So next thing I know, the chair of medicine, the chair, uh, the chief of staff, uh, the boss of all the physicians at the hospital calls me up and says, Terry, what's going on? People, you know, people are upset with you. You're not practicing the standard of care. Now, fortunately, I, I knew this was going to be coming. 
And I brought with me an armful of scientific papers that would explain the rationale of some of what I was doing. And I went through those papers and I won John over and he would ultimately tell my critics that, you know, she's just saying that people should do what we should all be doing. Uh, and he, he said, now, Terry, if there's a bad outcome, you'll go through peer review just like anyone else. Said, oh, yeah, of course. Of course. Mm-hmm. And the, the bad outcomes were that if you were overweight, you lost weight without being hungry. And we had to reduce your meds. The, um, I, I started, you know, on the lark, I called our local organic grocer and pitched the idea of doing a little talk for them about, you know, my experience using food. And I, I remember Teresa saying, you know, we don't do that. We do cooking classes, but oh, you know, what the heck, we'll, we'll do it. Yeah, and uh, that was an incredibly uh, popular talk. So I, I did a few more. Then the local MS chapter, uh, whoever was the leader, lay leader, called and asked me, would I speak to them? So yeah, of course. Then I got interviewed by the uh, clinical advisory committee who were horrified. I said, you know, I, I'm going to tell my story and talk about why we ought to be improving uh, diet and self-care. Mm-hmm. And, and they were very concerned that I was going to come across anti-drugs and that people would have false hope and would, would refuse drugs. And they're like, you know, how would you feel if a neurologist started talking to people about using uh, diet for uh, chronic lung disease? And I sort of <laughs> laughed said, you know, if that got them fired up for eating vegetables, I'd say, you know, that's really great. But, you know, uh, by all means, do what you think is the, the most appropriate, and I'll do what I think is ethically the most appropriate. So I was banned as a speaker Wow! My, um, by the MS Society. The, the chair of, of uh, my department, internal medicine at the university, asked me to come over and see him because he had heard I'd been banned as a speaker, and he wanted me to, you know, explain what was going on and why. Now, fortunately, he too, you know, I brought with me, you know, my uh, uh, scientific papers. And fortunately, he too was impressed. And uh, he gave me the job of writing up a case report and then uh, a case series. Uh, And then I said, now we have to do a little clinical trial. And I explained that you know, that's not my area of uh, research. That, uh, you know, they said, it's a safety and feasibility trial. We will get you the mentors, uh, but this is what you need to do. And he was my boss. So, of course, I salute and say, okay. Uh, Of course, I, I will be happy to oblige. And that would, of course... Uh, you know, head me down this very, very uh, interesting uh, redirection of my clinical practice and my uh, uh, research. Wow. So a lot has happened since then. How are things now in the field? Okay. So that was uh, 2008, 2009, that all that stuff was happening. And and, um, I was clearly seen as an eccentric, an oddity. Uh, uh, A lot of people were very uncomfortable with what I was doing. Uh, we've done four clinical trials, uh, published uh, many different papers, 
uh, with what we've been able to observe. Uh, we have uh, uh, done grand rounds several times uh, for uh, Department of Internal Medicine and other departments. And now my colleagues are much more, you're a brilliant visionary. Mm -hmm. And the uh, concepts that I you know, talk about with diet, lifestyle, self-care uh, are, are much more uh, widely accepted. And of course, the basic science has, has made considerable progress with understanding how diet and lifestyle have such a uh, positive impact or negative impact on how our cells can conduct the biology of life, depending on our choices. So you have done the clinical trials, uh, you have done a lot of things in the field, and you actually have a certification course as well for healthcare. Yeah. So um, I, I'm going to back you up a little bit more. So I, I changed my practice. Uh, we had success in primary care, success in the traumatic brain injury clinic. The VA uh, then uh, pulled me out of primary care. It had me create a new clinic, we call it the Therapeutic Lifestyle Clinic, where I could use my concepts. Uh, and I went to primary care, I went to specialty medicine, I went to the pain service and said, give me your most difficult cases. The people you're not helping, I need to know that I'm not gonna be using drugs, we'll be using diet and lifestyle. We've got a few people at first, very nice response. Then we got quite a few more, then suddenly I had a deluge of people coming my way. And I was having to reimagine the way I ran that clinic because I, I, I didn't want to create barriers. So we started doing group clinics, uh, group uh, classes. And the types of people that we'd see, autoimmune problems, um, you know, MS, uh, rheumatoid uh, lupus, inflammatory bowel disease, psoriasis, uh, metabolic problems, diabetes, fatty liver disease, insulin resistance, heart disease, mental health problems. Wow. People with pain, fatigue, autoantibodies, no clear diagnosis, but you know, clearly getting worse. And, and we used the same principles that I teach in my book. And again, because the VA has this large electronic database, we could see our, our results, uh, see you know improving blood pressure, improving blood sugar, uh, less uh, pain meds. Uh, we're able to reduce the blood pressure meds, the diabetic meds, and often transition, transition them to less potent disease-modifying drugs. Um, wow. So it, it was transformative. Um, we're able to grow the staff I uh, uh, added more staff, uh, and that I also got funding for my big clinical trial, uh, the Swank diet versus the Walls diet uh, for MS, mm -hmm. and that that was when I needed to make a decision about what I was going to do for um, uh, professionally. Um, and so I made the decision to retire from the VA because I'd hired my replacements. Mm -hmm. I continued to work half-time at the university. And I expanded my outreach to the public uh, in terms of courses I was now offering the public. And then we created a certification program 
Well, actually, and I've been doing that for a couple of years, but I, I grew that uh, so that we could train more physicians, uh, nutrition, uh, and movement professionals, mental health professionals to use the WALS protocol in their clinical practice. Which is so important. Um, Absolutely. You know, most, uh, like I said, most patients, when they go to the doctor, it's like diet, diet isn't, diet isn't even a, fa- a factor. Correct. You know, I don't know how you many know, times. And the primary care doc, the specialty docs, they're doing the best they can. They're squeezed for time. Uh, they're pressed um, to follow the standard of care and to offer the latest drugs. They don't feel like they know how to talk about diet. They don't know how to talk about behavior change. And they have a hard time in their seven minutes or eight minutes or 10 minutes that they get with their patient to get everything done. Mm-hmm. As a result, you know, patients are, are not doing well and they're uh, looking online, trying to figure out what to do. And that can be tough because you can get all sorts of information online, but you know, how, how to have confidence that you're getting good information, information that's scientifically sound uh, uh, from someone uh, that uh, you can respect uh, and trust and isn't trying to uh, simply exploit you. Mm-hmm, absolutely. So you've developed the WALS protocol and you have um, your book here, which I've got the WALS protocol as well. I'd yeah. love to talk about that. Um, so can you explain to us, I know there's like a lot of information with it, but can you explain well, to us what the protocol is, is about? So the protocol is to help, uh, there are several things. First is to inspire hope to remind people that we have far more control than we realize Mm -hmm. in terms of how our cells are working or not working, and that we have a lifetime uh, on top of the genetic vulnerability I I got from mom and dad, and the epigenetic marks, that is the, the stress that happened to my parents and their parents and their parents and their parents, so back four maybe as far as seven generations, those environments affect how their genes are turned on and off, which affect how my genes are turned on and off. Mm -hmm. Then on top of that, my lifetime of food choices, toxin exposures, uh, sleeping patterns, self-talk relationships affect how my cells run the chemistry of life, which in turn affect what symptoms I have and what organ dysfunction I have, and whether or not I'm gonna need prescription meds, whether or not I'm gonna be diagnosed with particular diseases. So I give people a context for understanding all of that. And then uh, we give them tools to begin to incrementally improve their diet and self-care routine. Now, in my book, I I have sort of a a multi-layered program in terms of how to improve your diet, uh, of how to improve your stress-reducing practice, uh, your detox pathways, uh, your exercise. And then invite people to think carefully about where do you want to start? And ideally have this negotiation as a family because doing this as a family will be much more successful than if I do my intervention but everyone else continues to, to follow the standard 
westernized diet, um, uh, you know, a lot of processed junk food, a lot of uh, sedentary, inactive um, um, uh, habits, a lot of social media uh, uh, that can be so destructive. Mm-hmm. What would be the top three things that you could say? You mentioned, you know, to- toxic load. Um... Well, you know, th- this has evolved over time, Shannon. Yeah, you know, first I would have said, um, you know, cut out the sugar, uh, eat more greens, and that, of course, is, is a great thing to do. But I've come to my my vets taught me that the first thing that uh, was really important for them was to get in touch with why they want to go on this journey. Mm. What do they want their health for? Because the things that that we're going to do, whenever we try to create a a better good habit or extinguish a harmful habit, and you might think, you know, if you had to uh, stop smoking or quit biting your fingernails or stop picking your nose, or now in the pandemic, you know, stop touching your nose or your eyes, Mm -hmm. These are hard things to do. It's mm-hmm. really hard to change our habits. It takes a fair amount of effort. But we'll do that for really important reasons. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so my vets taught me, and, and I redesigned my class, that um, we, the first thing we, we do is we inspire hope by telling my story and the story of other vets who've had personal health transformation. So that's step number one. Then step number two is to help people imagine if your health could improve just modestly. So we're not asking for a dramatic improvement. We'll shoot for that in the future. But if your health could moderately improve, what would you do with that? Uh, And so, you know, for some, it's um, be part of the school fun run or to help with the children's theater program again, sing in the, uh, in the choir, um, plant their garden again, mm-hmm. dance at their son's wedding or their daughter's wedding. So we've inspired them that it's possible. We've helped them identify an aspiration that speaks to their heart. Then I talk about, okay, so improving your diet is really foundational. So I'd, I'd like to do that. And if people are ready, then we'll talk about how we improve their diet. If they aren't ready to do, to do that, then we'll talk about, and for some, we have to do a stress-reducing practice first, mm-hmm. and then they're ready to work on their diet. So in my clinic, I do this uh, uh, sequentially. Uh, and uh, we also engage uh, the patient in the conversation of, of um, you know, we, we do the timeline and the health behavior map so they understand a, a little um, more thoroughly the environmental factors that contributed to their health problems. Mm-hmm. What I think were probably the, the, the most impactful areas that they could tackle. And then um, we ask them, so what do you want to do? And most often they're like, okay, I'm, I'm ready. And they're, they're ready to make big dietary changes. Sometimes 
um, uh, uh, the first choice is a meditative practice. And the first choice actually is doing an Epsom salts bath every day. Um, although I, I would say uh, the most common thing is um, they're going to get rid of the added sugar, eat more vegetables. Uh, and uh, that's really a, a profound, a, a wonderful place to start. On the other hand, you know, the folks who've, who were not yet ready to make uh, the food change and did the meditation, after, and the length of time is variable, after they've done that meditative practice, then they often come back and they're ready now to make the dietary change. Mm -hmm. And stress has such a big factor in stress is huge. Mm -hmm. disease. Yeah. So being able to help manage that is definitely a big thing there. Um, when we look at the root causes of these autoimmune diseases, <laughs> um, functional medicine is different where it's based on finding that root cause. Can you talk a little bit about yeah. that? And how so important it, it is? In medical school, uh, the cause of MS, uh, you know, not clearly known. There's genetic vulnerability. You had some sort of infection, didn't clear it properly. And then there's an interaction with, with many other unknown environmental factors, and some people get MS. Don't really know why. And that's still pretty much the story. The functional medicine perspective is, well, Based on what the science says, we know that vitamin D level is really important. Stress appears to be important. Diet quality appears to be important. Uh, uh, we've now clearly identified that leaky gut is very well established. If you have a leaky gut, you're much more likely to have unrecognized food sensitivities. Mm -hmm. If you have smoking, air pollution, and other toxins, you're more likely to have severe disease. If you are physically active, you have less severe disease. If you have a, support, a supportive social network, you have less severe disease. The microbiome appears to be screwed up, although we don't fully understand that entirely. And so what functional medicine does say, yep, you're right, we don't have the full story. We absolutely don't have the full story, but there are things that we know, and there are things that we could improve. And so we might as well work to improve as much as we can in as many domains as we can uh, for our patients. Now, um, functional medicine also has uh, you know, a very comprehensive testing program uh, to investigate all of these matters in great detail. My unique take on all of this, Shannon, is that when I discovered functional medicine, I was at the VA. My people were living on food stamps. They were disabled. They weren't working. And I was in a healthcare system where they could come, get drugs. They could get primary care testing. There was no fancy functional medicine testing. There were no fancy functional medicine supplements. But I could inspire. I could teach. And I could influence behavior and use basic primary care labs. And you know what I discovered? I could have extraordinary results. Mm 
Mm. Uh, and so I focused on deeply understanding how to inspire and uh, create change and work within what's available in conventional medicine. And that's what I teach the public, how to work with what's available in their conventional primary care office. And that's what I teach my practitioners, how to work with people who may be living in rural Iowa or rural wherever uh, and have limited resources uh, and aren't going to have access to fancy functional medicine uh, labs or functional medicine uh, supplements. And for the vast majority, we can have a major, major impact on how well that patient is doing. That is so important because these diseases, you know, those that, that don't have them, it's hard to, it's hard to comprehend exactly what one goes through when they have MS or RA or lupus. And, but when you, when you have the disease, you know, it's, they're, they're crippling. They, for some people, you know, you have to end up quitting your job, not being able to work. Um, you know, you're on medication for the rest of your life. Sometimes, sometimes you can't even get out of bed, you know, so being able to have the money to go for functional medicine, you know, obviously could be a challenge. So um, it's a huge huge problem because um, you're at great risk of uh, losing your work, of having severe financial strain. mm -hmm. And more stress. (laughs) Correct. Correct. And, you know, and I'm uh, really mindful of uh, trying to provide solutions and options uh, that people can implement with wherever they're at in, what, in whatever their financial reality is. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I certainly recognize that those who have more financial resources uh, do have access to more uh, advanced testing, uh, more supplements. Uh, maybe a higher quality diet uh, and more interventions and may have a more rapid recovery. However, uh, again, to all of your listeners, the people that I took care of for decades in the VA were living in rural Iowa, you know, rural uh, Midwest, um, and we worked with them living on their food stamps and taught them how to implement these concepts and were able to achieve remarkable uh, improvements to their quality of life, uh, reduction in the need for uh, prescription meds, and transform their lives. So it, it's still uh, within your grasp. Mm-hmm. How important is the hope piece, giving people that hope, knowing that, hey, this doesn't have to be your reality. There is hope that this can get better. Well, I think it's critical. Um, we, we spend a lot of time talking about, uh, you know, my case and the case of other vets. And, and again, depending on uh, the presentation and the audience, and we would talk about cases that are, are relevant for that audience so they could relate to that. Uh, and we talk about um, what is under your control, that and I acknowledge that, you know, I, I'd made the mistake of thinking that I didn't have responsibility, that it was up to me to find the best doc, follow their advice, and that 
that was all I had to do. And, and you know, people can make that choice, but the broken physiology in your cells, the incorrectly happening biochemistry will continue. You'll have worsening symptoms. You will likely develop additional autoimmune diagnoses and developing worsening disability. If on the other hand, you work at implementing um, a better self-care routine, better diet quality, and pay attention to your response, over time, you can keep improving your self-care, improving how your cells uh, are doing the chemistry of life. And your cells can rebuild you molecule by correctly made molecule. And I'd be very optimistic that at, at the very least, you can slow your decline, stabilize, and then begin to see like, you know, my energy is better. Mm -hmm. I am less irritable. I am having more joy. My thinking is more clear. I have less pain in joints. They're less red. They're less stiff. I'm not pooping my pants now, finally. My vision is, is better. And then, like, oh, I'm getting lightheaded. Maybe I, maybe I need fewer blood pressure meds. And people begin to have conversations with their primary care doc. You know, could we simplify my, my medications? And people begin to have opinions as to which medicine they'd like to reduce or eliminate. Mm -hmm. One of the things that we did that was so much fun, Shannon, um, we would have uh, group classes, uh, and I'd have a mix of newbies, people who had just gotten through their intake, uh, and people who had been through, uh, and they, you could come in every month uh, for this, uh, for six months, we'd have newbies and old timers. And the old timers would help the newbies feel more confident that they could, they could make these changes, uh, how to interact with their children, their grandchildren, their spouse, uh, to get more buy-in. It, it, was, it was lots of fun uh, mm -hmm. to see that mentoring relationship. Mm -hmm. And that community support that people can get. Because a lot of times when you have this kind of an illness, it's you feel quite alone and isolated and that no one understands what you're going through, which most of the time they don't. <laughs> but, you know, it's important to have that community. Yes, it's very helpful to have that pure understanding and support. So if someone, let's say someone, you know, is listening and they've been newly diagnosed and, you know, they're on their first round of trial medications to see if they're going to work, um, what advice would you give them? Well, the first one is go to my website, terrywalls.com, uh, and uh, read. Uh, uh, pick up my book, The Walls Protocol, so you can be inspired for hope. Um and begin to educate yourself that there is stuff that you can do. Do not give all of your responsibility away. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I think the research is actually very clear that if we think that there's, there's, no, there's nothing that I do that will make any influence on the outcome, 
I'm much more likely to succumb to learned helplessness. Mm -hmm. I'm more likely to have uh, accelerated depression, uh, uh, less effective immune cells, uh, and accelerated uh, disease process. If I have, and that's called locus of control, so no, no locus of control, uh, a very poor outcome. Mm -hmm. If the person has a greater locus of control that there's stuff I can do, whether it is I'm going to take the meds, I'm going to read, I'm going to meditate, I'm going to have a, a lovely cup of coffee every day, I'm going to uh, enjoy my dog, that there's stuff I can do. That internal locus of control lowers my inflammation uh, molecules. And we can see just that in that locus of control, low or high, is associated with much better outcomes. Mm. So the first thing I want you to do is to remember Viktor Frankl's book. Between every event in your life and your response is a space. And remember that in that space, you make a choice. Own your choices. Maintain your control. And of course, one of the things I, I would encourage you to do is, you know, read my book, read The Walls Protocol, uh, uh, educate yourself, look for uh, physicians that you have confidence in, physicians that ideally do research in diet and lifestyle. So you're getting good advice, not just silliness, mm -hmm. that can uh, help educate you that there are things actually validated by randomized controlled trials mm -hmm. that show uh, diet matters, meditation matters, movement matters. Uh, uh, and there's much that is under your control. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And you have the choice to be able to, um, to pursue that as well. On your website, you also have a five-week program that starts with the basics of so setting a foundation for understanding um, your autoimmune triggers. Oh, yeah. Um, and I think so it's, uh... that's the Autoimmune Intervention Mastery Program. Mm -hmm. we, uh, it's, it's five weeks modules. We uh, also, uh, you can get just the online program or you can get the seven weeks of coaching calls with that. Uh, and um, we just started our next class last week. So uh, people had the orientation call. So this next Monday, I'll be uh, talking about the inner game with these folks. Uh, it's immense fun. We have people from all over the world uh, that participate in that group class. Oh, wow. Wow, it, that's such a great resource that you're that you're putting out there for people. Um, you know, because... and, and what's lovely about this is, so you can, with your specialist, take the prescription meds, your DMTs, uh, if that's clinically appropriate. Your and we give you pointers and uh, um, how to notify your primary care person that you're working on improving your diet quality and your self care routine, and they'll be thrilled for you. Um, because they would like you to do that, but they don't have the time to teach you. Mm -hmm. And so they'll be uh, likely very excited to see that you are uh, doing this and that you are learning and getting support to steadily uh, make better self-care choices. Mm -hmm. 
Absolutely. So they can access that. I believe it's your website, drterrywalls.com forward slash AIM is the web address that people can go to for that as well. And yes. you're also recruiting for studies uh, for newly diagnosed patients. Yeah. Well, yeah. Let me explain that. So now for this, um, we have a, a new trial uh, and we're comparing people who are newly diagnosed with multiple sclerosis or clinically isolated syndrome. Uh, and by that diagnosed within the last 12 months before um, you get in uh, to see us. Uh, and we have two arms. One arm is taking drugs. The other arm is not taking drugs. The arm not taking drugs, uh, we train on diet, um, a meditation program and a walking program. The arm that is taking drugs, they can do whatever diet or lifestyle that they would like. People complete a series of questionnaires for us every three months. And we get copies of the medical records and we abstract the medical records to see what happens. Um, we have 16 more slots, 15 actually, 15 slots left in the uh, arm that's taking a disease modifying drug. So we would love to have people contact us and you need to live within the lower 48 states here in the United States. Mm -hmm. And you can reach out to us at ms.study at healthcare.uiowa.edu. Or if you go to my website, we have a link uh, where you can contact our research team there as well. Perfect. And we'll post that in the uh, podcast notes as well. So you've been conducting these clinical trials uh, with patients since 2010. Um, can you share some of your findings? You said you have conducted over yeah. four. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so um, we had uh, the very first study. Well, let me back up. So the first thing that we do is we write up the case report uh, of myself, got that published. Then we had a case series. Uh, I have to admit, I no longer recall how many were in the case series. Uh, we got that published. Then the next thing we did was a safety and feasibility study that uh, uh, we enrolled 20 folks with secondary and primary progressive MS. Uh, and we use the same diet and lifestyle program that I use for my own self-recovery. Uh, so diet, targeted supplements, uh, a exercise program, electrical stimulation of muscles, and a mantra-based meditation. Mm -hmm. We're able to show that people could implement the stuff that we talked about that if you're overweight, you lost weight without being hungry. Uh, and that um, uh, fatigue went down, quality of life uh, improved, uh, anxiety and depression went down, uh, mental clarity improved, that is thinking speed, processing speed. And half of our folks had clinically meaningful improvement in walking, which is remarkable with progressive MS because you would that's, that's really quite stunning that anyone uh, would improve. Then the next study that we did is a randomized controlled trial that um, people came in, got a baseline assessment. Then we uh, taught them uh, the WALS diet, uh, or they had to wait 12 weeks to get taught the WALS diet. And we repeated... Uh, uh, quality of life, fatigue, uh, and uh, some motor assessments. 
And we'll, again, we're able to show that fatigue reduced, quality of life improved, motor function uh, improved. The next study was a comparison of a ketogenic diet, Wall's diet, uh, and uh, uh, usual diet. Again, showing improved quality of life, reduced fatigue. The next study is the Swank versus Walls diet. And we've completed that study, we've analyzed the results, uh, and we're in the process of trying to get that published. Uh, that usually takes about a year, going mm -hmm. back and forth between the journals uh, and getting it published. So hopefully sometime in the next uh, six to 12 months, we'll have that out. So. I invite everyone to uh, you know come to my website, terrywalls.com forward slash email, so you can sign up for email list, so you'll get a notice once it's in, once we're published, and we can talk mm -hmm. about it. Wonderful, wonderful. Do you have any other books in the works that you're going to be putting out? Um, uh, well, we have uh, the cookbook. Do you have the cookbook in front of you? I don't have it yet. I just have the, um, the big one, the Wallace Protocol here. Oh, yes. So uh, I also have the companion cookbook, The Walls Protocol, Cooking for Life, um, which uh, helps people le learn how to cook um, simply, even if you live in rural America. Uh, and we have level one, level two, level three diets as well. So do you have any advice out there for um, medical professionals that are dealing with um, you know, let's say they're rheumatologists or they're, you know, general practitioners and they have patients that have these autoimmune diseases. Like you said, it's, it's quite difficult because you have eight or 10 or 15 minutes to yeah. be able to work with your patient. Well, I think a, an important message that you could give is to tell patients diet quality matters a lot. Meditation, exercise matters a lot. Uh, and so you can send someone to a nutrition professional for uh, diet instruction. You could send them to my website, terwalls.com, if they want to do an online program. But even just putting out the message that, uh, and people make clinical decisions about what, if any, um, disease-modifying drug treatment uh, are recommended. But they will do much, much better if you also add in the quality of your diet will have a huge impact on how quickly you get, your disease gets under control and how well we'll be able to keep you working long-term and that you'll be functioning well in your uh, personal life as well. So improve diet quality, add a stress-reducing practice and an exercise program. Think about sending them to a nutrition professional Think about signing them to a, a physical therapy or occupational therapy for a exercise evaluation and a home exercise program. And again, if, if you simply want to send them to uh, a place where they could go for a online program, uh, you could send them to my website, terwalls.com. Mm -hmm. And you have your online certification there for them as well. How important would you say that it is for impatience to advocate to their doctors um, if they are given only the option of oh. medication? The, the, um, it's highly probable that your specialist, whether it's a neurologist, 
a GI doctor, a rheumatologist, that they will just only speak with you about disease-modifying drug treatment. And they may know nothing about diet, lifestyle, self-care. Your primary care team should be excited about the quality of your diet, a stress-reducing practice, and exercise. So even if your specialist can't advise you or support you to learn how to uh, improve your diet and self-care routine, uh, your primary care team should be able to do that. And again, that's something that I teach you how to do in the WALS protocol, how to work with your primary care team. And so it's it's not a big deal if your specialist says, ah, eat what you want. I'm like, okay, I'll eat vegetables. You know, that's fine. <laughs> Super important there. So I do have a few other questions here. What made you ultimately decide that you wanted to make a career of helping people? I originally started out in fine arts. I have a Bachelor of Fine Arts in studio painting, I, but I also like science a lot. Along the way, I decided that I would uh, get into medicine. Now, I, I was so young and foolish, I didn't realize I'd have to do a residency. So during medical school, when I discovered that, it's like, uh, so it's, it's just as well I didn't know I might not have made that switch. Um, but I, I'm just so grateful that I have. Uh, it's been immensely, immensely satisfying. Mm -hmm. I can only imagine, you know, just all the people that you have the chance of working with and just seeing little, even little improvements can definitely um, be something that, uh, that would make it worth it all. So now we get to the question on dialing in. So the question I have for you is how do you dial in and what does that mean to you? Or I guess you could say, what is it that you're dialing into? Well, I, I think a lot about what is the uh, uh, 20 year goal that I have. Uh, and uh, that was um, one of my mentors, Bo Eason, uh, challenged me to say, uh, Terry, think about your 20 year plan if you could be the very best in the world at that, what would it be? Uh, and so I'm thinking that, that is creating a epidemic of health, teaching people with autoimmunity that it's up to us. And how do I increase my influence in the standard of care? So doing the research and my influence in patient empowerment uh, to the public. Uh, and so when I, when I do my saunas in the morning, and that's probably uh, six days a week I manage to get a sauna in, I'll uh, read for pleasure for part of that sauna, and uh, then I'll stop reading and I will uh, meditate on how I support that 20-year vision. And what would you say that you, you know, if someone is looking to relieve stress instantly, do you have a go-to meditation or mantra or saying or prayer, or, you know, it can be anything that you do that works instantly to relieve stress? Well, a couple of uh, options, uh, humming, big diaphragmatic breath, then that will stimulate your uh, vagal nerve. You could also do a four, seven, eight breath, 
Inhale through your nose to the count of four. Hold to the count of seven. Exhale to the count of eight, either through your nose or through a small opening in your mouth about the size of a pencil. Uh, and so I could hum as long as I feel like humming. I can do four, four, seven, eight breaths. Uh, and depending on the circumstance, sometimes I'll do four, seven, eight breaths. And then like, okay, I'm still not quite where I want to be. So I'm just going to and do some humming for a while. Mm -hmm. Just bringing people back to their center there, of course, right? Are there any final you like to say to our listeners? You know, think back to my story. 27 years of relentless worsening of my face pains. And that was after probably 10 years of prodrome with pelvic pain and migraine and um, uh, before that. I was so weak I could not sit up. I was plagued with uh, increasingly severe trigeminal neuralgia. I was beginning to have brain fog. And one year later, I'm pain-free, fatigue is gone, I'm walking around the neighborhood, and I'm doing an 18.5-mile bike ride. And that was through diet and lifestyle. And you may or may not have that same level of recovery. The, the key thing I want you to know is, if I can come back from that profound level of disability and suffering, there's reason for you to have hope. Whatever level of pain and suffering and disability that you might be experiencing, that it is possible. Um, read, begin your journey. We'd love to help support you, uh, but begin. Be hopeful. Claim your choices. Wow, thank you so much. That's absolutely beautiful. And and it's important that people hear these words to know that there is a solution, there is hope, and that they can do something about it. So uh, thank you so much for all of your wisdom and your knowledge that you shared with us today. And we'll definitely put the links to your website in the show notes here so people can find not only the course, but the certification for health professionals and of course the clinical trials that you're running as well. So thank you so much, Dr. Walls, for being here with us today on Dialed In. Thank you. Wow, what an amazing episode with Dr. Terry Walls. We start off by hearing Dr. Walls' story, her journey with being diagnosed with MS, and she was told by her physicians that with her condition, she was expected to get worse every year, even though she had the best medications and best care. She started doing her own research to see what she could do to cure her illness. Her journey changed the way that she thinks about disease, the way that she practices medicine. Dr. Walls is committed to restoring the standard of care and hope to people with chronic autoimmune conditions. She talks about how even though she had the best drugs from the best people, she was still getting worse. And she mentioned Victor Franco's book and about how that in that space between the events in our life, we make a choice. She made 
made a choice to read the basic science and begin experimenting on herself. By this point, she had 27 years of misery and progression of her disease doing the conventional approach before she woke up and said, there's got to be something else I can do. She shares with us how her new ideas were received by her colleagues. She was banned as a speaker by the MS Society. Fortunately, she had done her research and had a multitude of scientific papers to support her findings. She talks about how she was seen as an eccentric, and a lot of people were very uncomfortable with what she was doing. Since then, she's completed four clinical trials, and now her colleagues' opinions have changed. She is a visionary in the field. Science has also made a lot of changes since that time, and they now realize the importance of diet and lifestyle and treating disease. She talks about the importance of inspiring hope to remind everyone that we have far more power to heal our body than we think. We then get into epigenetic and gene expression and how that affects a person's disease. We talk about the importance of doing this as a family and how important that support is in regards to lifestyle and diet. She goes over the process of how she works with patients and the choices that are involved. She talks about the importance of starting out with getting rid of added sugar, eating more vegetables, adding in meditation and Epsom salt baths. We then get into talking about the root cause and all of the factors that contribute to the development of MS and autoimmune diseases. By knowing the factors that lead to the disease, in functional medicine, physicians work to improve factors in as many areas as they can for their patients. She talks about the importance of making the choice to implement better self-care routine, better quality diet, and over time you can continue improving how your cells are building you. At the very least, you can slow your decline, stabilize, and then realize, hey, my energy is better. There are things that I can do to improve the quality of my life. Dr. Wallace talks about the importance of educating yourself and to not give all of your responsibility and power away. She has a multitude of resources available on her website. She says that if we have no locus of control, then we are more likely to progress in our disease. If we have a locus of control and take charge of our disease, the internal locus of control lowers the inflammation molecules. She emphasizes remembering Viktor Franco's book, between every event in your life is a space, and in that space, you make a choice. You can take control. Her book, The Walls Protocol, has an amazing amount of information and research in it. She mentions that it's a place to start. She also recommends looking for physicians that are educated in diet and nutrition so that you're getting good advice. Her website also includes an introductory five-week course for people with autoimmune diseases, as well as courses for health professionals. She also gives tips in her book and her course on how to work with your healthcare professional. She emphasizes that the quality of your diet will make a huge difference in the quality of your life and progression or healing of your illness. She mentions as well the trials that she is doing and currently recruiting for. You can find more information regarding these in the episode notes. She gives some really good advice for medical practitioners on how to work with individuals and these diseases. We then learn how Dr. Wallace dials in and we learn about her goal of teaching people with autoimmunity that it's up to us and empowering patients.
emotions. And she finishes by giving us some tips and techniques to reduce stress and come back to our center. This has been an amazing episode and a complete honor to be able to interview Dr. Terry Walls. And I hope that you can take this information, implement it into your life, check out her book, check out the website, and definitely know, like she said, that it's a choice. You can take control and we have the power within us to heal ourselves. Thank you for listening. Thank you for joining us on the Dialed In Podcast. This is your host, Shannon Lynn. Namaste. Namaste.